Welcome to the Quiet Chaos Podcast, the new voice of mental health in Kuwait. I am your host, Jason Sullivan, and tonight I am joined by Sophia Pais. She is a mental health counselor also in Kuwait. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Jason. It's glad to have, I'm glad to have you here tonight. Um, I'm glad to be here, and I'm so excited to be a part of uh, Quiet Chaos. And I'm sure this is going to be a good platform for a lot of people, whether it's in Kuwait or anywhere else around the world, to share their views and their challenges and comments, whatever it is, and I wish you the best. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, tonight, uh, I think it'll be a good opportunity to talk about mental health, since uh, there are two mental health counselors here, and we both do therapy. We work with people. Uh, Tell me, what what do you think is the number one disorder that you see in private or in, in uh, personal counseling? Um, I think it's, I would say, anxiety followed by depression. So let's focus on anxiety probably today. And uh, I'm an anxious person myself. So I think I could say that I understand this subject very well. And uh, dealing with a lot of students, um, the elderly, children, whatever it is, dealing with anxiety in their own form or in their own ways is a challenge no matter what. And though it's been given different names, saying that, you know, you're not able to do this or, you know, you're not good at this. Yeah. Or say, for example, people are, the children are branded to be like, you know, you have ADHD, probably you have this or that, you know. It all bottles down to anxiety. It all bottles down to how people face this challenge and come out and, you know, uh, go through their days. So I think this is an important thing which we need to talk about and not many people understand that it is a disorder and not many people understand that it's, it's a challenge to even live one day, you know, based on your anxiety. Well, I think you're right. I, I, uh, I see a lot of uh, anxiety and uh, I do uh, also struggle with an anxiety disorder. I have a generalized anxiety disorder, and uh, it was a long path, a long road to understanding what it was. I, I think there were years where I felt uh, I felt like I was lazy. Uh, I mm -hmm. felt like I, I didn't know uh, what I was doing. I, I felt like uh, I was just a mess. Sure. And academically, uh, mm -hmm. my grades were, were not good. And uh, I think it wasn't until I began to understand that this was a disorder mm -hmm. and that there was a cure, that there was uh, a way of working through it that uh, I was really able to, to come back and, and grow. Yeah, yeah. Same with me. I think throughout my childhood, it was like there were a lot of expectations. And, uh, you know, whether it's from your parents, your teachers, your peers, your friends, and you somehow feel that you've not lived up to those expectations and then you consider yourself as a person who's not able to face the challenges in life. So every, every um, what do you say, every phase in your life you keep thinking that, will I be able to do that? Will I be able to graduate? Will I be able to do my masters? 
And I would always think that, you know, when I grow up, I should be able to help someone else because I didn't have someone to help me out or I didn't have someone to tell me what was exactly happening. And like you said, I think that's how I learned of anxiety only when I started studying psychology or probably when I studied uh, child psychology in college. So I think um, we are on the same uh, page when it comes to understanding this. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think this is what we need to, we need to get more people onto this platform so that we can discuss and share and, you know, at least find some sort of uh, help for each other. Well, you, you mentioned that um, it wasn't until you began to study psychology that, that you began to understand. Do you think it's necessary for, for people to dive into the field of psychology how, do, how does one go about finding out if they have anxiety? I don't think they need to dive into the world of psychology because when you say psychology, people tend to move away from it. They don't want to get into psychology. They don't want to know uh, that, you know, uh, oh, I may be crazy or, you know, oh, I'm, I'm mentally ill or I'm mentally off. No, nobody wants to do that. But I think right now, uh, the way the world has changed, um, there's a lot of opportunity, the, there's a lot happening on social media, people get educated by just the blogs, like say for example, yours is a great, great opportunity for, for people around the world to, you know, uh, get into this topic and discuss. The same way I think there are a lot of um, uh, profiles and a lot of people who've uh, dealt with anxiety, they've come forward. You could even see them on talk shows and, you know, people who've come on Oprah, people who've come on uh, Ellen, people who've come on so many shows. So I think people are educating themselves no matter what, even if they're not talking to someone. I mean, deep down there, if they know that there is a problem, they have always tried to find it on the internet. And I think uh, that has, but sometimes that can lead you to a different place altogether. So it's always nice to, you know, guide people through and know exactly where they can find this sort of assistance or, you know, help from. Well, I think uh, one of the things that, uh, one, uh, one thing that I see a lot is when people come to the office for counseling, they have already Googled. Mm -hmm. And Google is one of the worst therapists. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you will find that you will have elements of every disorder yes. uh, because when we look at how to diagnose, diagnosis is, is really a deviation from a norm. And yeah. so we all function on a norm. Mm -hmm. And some of us deviate in different places. And so um, it's best to work with a professional, someone who uh, is qualified. Yes. Uh, qualified yes. to, to do a diagnosis or to do assessments. Mm -hmm. um, now, you, you have a history uh, of working with, with some of the uh, harder learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Um, about, uh, I have worked as a behavior therapist for some time. I have worked as a, a counselor. I worked in the field of social work. I've worked as a counselor for people living with HIV AIDS. I mean, that has spanned almost 10 years of my uh, practice. And I think those were the best years of my life in terms of um, me learning a lot 
and so I was I was dealing with uh, people in palliative care so I see them today I don't see them tomorrow so though it sounds very a very depressing area to work with but then I think there's a lot that I learned and over a period of now almost 25 years since I've been working as a counselor I think um, I'm more of uh, what do you say, jack of all trades and master of none. And that has actually <laughs> helped me to sort of, you know, uh, customize my plan with each and every client. So I don't have to follow a strict rule that I, this is how therapy needs to be with this student or with this child, or it could be anything. So if I'm dealing with some student who has autism, or if I'm dealing with a small child who has anxiety, but is presenting in a different form at school. So I think I have been, I've been lucky or I've been given the opportunity to pick up all these, ex through these experiences, to sort of put a plan for every, every client I work with. And I, and I feel really blessed to be thrown in these different situations, whether it's uh, professionally or in my personal life where I've been able to garner all the strength and courage and you know whatever I've learned and I'm still open for learning mm. I'm still open for learning I'm still op I still google you know <laughs> I do google and I would still say I mean I would google on to one of the uh, reputed or the uh, famous uh, websites dealing with mental health where you have qualified people who give you advice rather than just going on something and you know getting into a different on a getting into a different extreme mm -hmm. altogether well I, I think that's true there are so many different approaches mm -hmm. to mental health and, and to the care of mental health and um, and Sophia you know me I, I I'm not a big fan of seven step approaches or mm -hmm. five steps or 12 steps or 13 mm -hmm. steps or however many steps uh, mm -hmm. because it, there, are, there are just no simple solutions. Uh, I, I think having an anxiety disorder, uh, I remember trying a lot of those and, and coming away very frustrated, uh, going to therapists who would tell me, just do this, this, and this. And, and I, I began to really dislike the word just. Uh, because yeah. any advice that sounds like just yeah. do this or just do this seems to oversimplify the issue. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to your approach, you said mm -hmm. that you, you synthesize a lot of different mm -hmm. uh, things in one. Yeah. Uh, and, and it seems like you have a, a wide background mm -hmm. uh, to draw from. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say was one of the biggest influential moments for you uh, mm -hmm. coming into the field of therapy? Uh, the most influential moment was my own life. I mean, in terms of uh, the way I was raised and the way I, like I mentioned earlier about the expectations I had from a family. I come from a normal Indian middle-class family where you have the father really working hard, the mother's a homemaker, and the children have to live up to the expectations. You have to be better than uh, people from your, you know, from your family. Mm. Uh, if there's an MBA in the other family, you have to be an MBA from a reputed uh, institute and, you know, 
whatever. I mean, I think uh, parenting has always been a trial and error for everybody. So you try in some way, and if you are the first one, of course, there are a lot of errors, which parents would realize only when the second one is born. <laughs> so I think I was, I was thrown into it, and uh, I don't blame my parents for anything, but I, I did have a lot of disappointments when it came to the way, you know, I was raised, or, you know, probably they could have done better, whatever. I mean, they've done their job, they've given me the best of education, they've cared for me, and stuff like that. But I think deep down there, when I was really unhappy, I didn't have any any access to, you know, therapy, or we, we never knew of counselors. Mm. My school did not have counselors. Uh, it was only when I came into college and... Uh, I mean, I studied uh, with, uh, with the nuns, you know, with the Catholic school and the Catholic uh, college. And that's when, you know, when I came to college, the first step was when I had to pick a stream of uh, study when I was in my first year. That's, I would say, pre-university in India, which would be the 11th grade. And I was forced to do uh, math. I was forced to take up math, a subject which I hate. You know, and uh, that's where it started, where uh, the vice principal sat and she started actually discussing with me what, uh, what I'm interested in. It was more like a mini psychometric assessment. Mm. But that is where I felt that there was somebody really concerned uh, with my well-being in seeing that I succeed in what I do. And then she helped me to change that from, uh, you know, from commerce to science, mm. a subject which I loved. And I went on to study, uh, you know, I did my home science, which had child development and women's studies and, you know, all the other creative aspects of uh, housekeeping and stuff like that. But I really enjoyed and I still thank um, the sister who really helped me get through it. And I realized that we should have people in, in this, you know, we should have people who should help us out whether we are in school, and we should start right when kids are young. Mm -hmm. They should know what they are, they are interested in. Most of the time, children don't know what they like. Children don't know how to express themselves. And I think, you know, having people to guide them, it should start from when they're small. So probably I realized it much later when I was in college, and that sort of provoked me to take up psychology. I always felt that I, would, I should be able to help someone else. Mm. You know, so I think that was a turning point for me in college. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's amazing. I uh, I had no idea what I was gonna do. I, I, I think it was a, a mixture of uh, marine biologist. <laughs> uh, I think there was about five minutes I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it was just because I like to argue a lot, mm -hmm. and. Um, and then uh, I, I was going to be a priest, uh, mm -hmm. and then uh, I became a therapist, and um, I wouldn't do it differently. Uh, yeah. it, it's amazing because uh, one of the things that I think blows me away uh, is when you meet people uh, day after day after day, and it, sometimes it feels like there's just one story. And that is, I am not enough. I am not okay. I am not good enough. I'm not strong enough. And, and when people begin to share 
that side of themselves in a session, um, there are just times, and, and maybe I'm not supposed to say this as a therapist, because uh, maybe it sounds off, but hey, this is how we do therapy. I told you this is a new voice, <laughs> the new voice of mental health. So, yeah. um, But what I hear is not bad stuff. I, I mean, people will come in, I've never told anybody this, I feel horrible, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm a failure, and then they tell me the struggle, and my reaction is not judgmental, I, I'm usually envious because I'm, th I'm thinking usually, uh, wow, I wish I was half this brave, I wish I could live yes. with this kind of honesty, yes. and uh, it's very humbling, mm -hmm. and, and so uh, when when people are struggling the most, I think it's when they they come closer to these truths about themselves, mm -hmm. and they have to make a, a decision or a change of understanding of who they are, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, uh, Jung called it the necessary struggle, and I think he's right on. It's a necessary thing. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what do you tell people who? Are looking for therapists they're they're looking for someone to share with they don't they don't know what to expect um, they're afraid of like you said of being called crazy uh, mm -hmm. uh, they're afraid of judgment they're afraid of confidentiality what what would you say to someone who would ask you about that um. I have discussed a lot of my own personal life with people when they come in. So when somebody comes in and talks to me for the first time, yes, you let them vent out, you let them speak, you let them, like you said, I really appreciate how brave they are that they are able to come and open up to a stranger, you know, completely and tell what's going on. And uh, I think I always, I always uh, appreciate them and say that this is the first step you've taken towards helping yourself. Mm. The very fact that you're coming out and talking to someone and I'm glad that I'm in that position to sit here and listen to you and to uh, discuss with you what, what the issues are and stuff like that. Uh, I feel like sharing stories, sometimes I do share some of the stories where we, we do keep everything confidential but still it's it's always nice to tell them that okay we have a lot of people who've gone through it or we uh, this is you're not alone you mm -hmm. know there are a lot of people who go through it and then they'll be like really I mean uh, and then sometimes I share my my experiences and if they're talking something about academics if they're talking about they're struggling something at college so you know I bring out stories about how I face something and you know maybe probably I didn't succeed in doing whatever I would have done right now but then at that time this is what I did so it's just about making them feel comfortable that they are not the only ones going through it there's a lot happening around the world and a lot of people go through worse than what they're going through and sort of making them comfortable and giving them a hope that you know they can do it. I'm not sitting here as a therapist to tell you what you have to do. I'm nobody to tell you what you have to do. But maybe we can discuss and open up and see different pathways where you can go and help yourself, where you can find 
people to help you, where you can find a support system for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's something which we can do together. Absolutely. So when you say that to them, probably they feel they feel connected and mm -hmm. they feel like somebody has accepted them despite their challenges and despite their whatever shortcomings and that it's always nice to go to somebody who's non-judgmental mm -hmm. and say it's fine you can go through it and i think uh, that is something we should be doing not as therapists alone but i think everybody should be doing it with others like friends we talk about friends being support being the support system where friends can accept another friend and not just tell them like snap out of it don't be sad you know you'll be fine mm -hmm. no just having uh, having someone to listen to you having someone to just you know offer their shoulder to cry on is is comes a long way to help that person to seek help i think i think you're right i i think that uh advice givers uh mm -hmm always have the best intentions I mean they, yeah. they really do and yeah. and we all have that friend uh, who has a meme or uh, an uplifting uh, idea Quote or uh, exactly <laughs> and, and it's supposed to make everything okay yeah. Uh, yeah. and and uh, and yet at the same time it usually just makes you more angry yeah because if it was that easy I could sum it up on yes. a poster yes. I'd be fine uh, yes. if panic were were as easy to deal with as uh, something on a postcard then yeah. yeah wow that would be a wonderful solution yeah. um, but I think you're right also in the sense that real help is not finding the right words necessarily but mm -hmm. it's creating a safe space mm -hmm. uh, a safe place for people to be honest to work through the things that are haunting them the most, the things that are driving them towards uh, depression and anxiety. Uh, and, and depending on the severity, I mean, there, there are all kinds of, of levels of severity. Um, also to have guidance of what to do next. Yeah. Yeah. So in working with anxiety, um, we've seen panic attacks, um, general anxiety where it just lasts for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. But what about depression? I mean, depression and anxiety tend to go together. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience with, with depression uh, in counseling. Well, we see a lot of uh, students or people who are crying at the drop of a hat. For everything you know and then the first thing they tell me is I don't know why I'm crying I don't know there's no reason that I cannot just pinpoint and say this is what is making me cry I would cry when I'm driving probably I would cry when I'm in the shower the safest place to cry because you don't see your tears you know so it's like so when somebody comes forward and says these I'm, I'm sad all the time so I think making the differentiation between sadness, what sadness is, and uh, what depression is, mm -hmm. and how long it lasts, and what, what makes a depression, and that you cannot snap out of it, and it's okay to feel sad, it's okay to feel the way you feel, because there is so much happening within mm -hmm. you, there's so much going on in your brain. And just making them understand that 
it's it's the most I think it's it's there's like everybody going through it whether it's children or the adults or the elderly everybody's going through it and they express it in different ways so it's first thing is to give them a, a comfortable space where they can talk but at the same time to make them understand that um, anybody of any age can go through it because mm -hmm. most of the times uh, the students or the teens or the adolescents what they tell is oh, I spoke to my dad and uh, it's you know I mean you're still young you're still young I mean how can you have depression you know mm -hmm. uh, we've given you a house we've given you education we've given you everything so what are you depressed about mm -hmm. you see so just and and what happens is they get they start doubting themselves. Right. Like, why am I? Why am I depressed? My parents are telling me that I should be happy, and they have a bigger challenge to face. But why am I feeling this way? So everybody has their own. Um, what do you say? Uh, how do you put it? Wavelength of, you know, to measure right. how depressed they are. Well, and and you mentioned something about uh, uh, just snap out of how uh, a lot of people will say you have this you have this mm -hmm. you have this why are you so depressed mm -hmm. and and I think that a lot of times people think depression is just sadness yeah or it could be uh, that they don't appreciate the things that they have and mm -hmm. and, and I, I don't necessarily find that to be the case I, I think that um, there's there's the emotion where what we usually hear is I, I feel depressed yeah. but really I think uh, depression itself is a, is a, a much larger issue yeah. where you have neurotransmitters in the brain with serotonin norepinephrine and dopamine um, where motivation is just drawn down happiness is, is lowered and um, there's a lot of exhaustion a lot of yeah. tiredness and so a lot of physical Response: A lot of physical, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, physical symptoms, yeah. and um, and these are things that also have to be addressed because just trying harder, mm -hmm. uh, again, just just do this, just mm -hmm. smile, just be happy, think happy thoughts. These things don't yeah. really cut it. Yeah. Uh, don't think about it. Yeah, don't think about yeah. it. <laughs> kind of things, and I think they don't realize that. I mean, brain is just. Uh, I mean, it's an organ just as the other organs. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to go to a gastroenterologist, you're able to go to an ophthalmologist, or you're able to go to a cardiologist, mm -hmm. for conditions dealing with these, your separate organs, your brain is an organ too. So, you know, when you go through issues with your brain, and people think twice to go to a psychiatrist, or people think twice to go and uh, seek therapy, they need to understand that it's it's an organ just like the other organs mm -hmm. and what happens is when you don't deal with it or when you don't process your emotions or when you don't uh, face what's happening with you it uh, it sort of disintegrates in a different way you know there's it, it may a few years from now probably you will have uh, problems in your uh, you know cognitive functioning and mm -hmm. you know people don't realize that like we talk about it oh my god i'm in my 30s or 40s i can't remember stuff i just did this last week and i can't remember 
And you know, it's like how stress can build up, how you can, it can affect the brain and you know better. Mm. Uh, so, you know, people should understand that it is as, e as equally important as the other organs of your body. Now, are you saying I should know better because I lose things all the time? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you speak a lot about all the, you know, I always talk about the happy chemicals in the brain, you uh, know, because we don't, I don't want to go into uh, the details of it. One, because I don't know much about it. You know better. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're so good at explaining the, you know, everything about the brain and stuff like that. But when we explain to people in simple terms that it's, you know, your happy chemicals are not, uh, you know, there anymore. Or there is, uh, these are things which you need to do. Right. Like say, for example, you want to, you want to go and exercise and, you know, to increase your dopamine. So... You can, I usually tell them, you know, when you exercise or when you do yoga or when you do meditation or you do something good, you're, you have the happy chemicals to feel better, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, sometimes it helps when I'm dealing with smaller children to explain to them that, you know, this is what's happening in your brain mm -hmm. and it's okay to feel this way because each person has uh, problems to face. So um, I think I, nowadays we have children who speak about it. Mm -hmm. We have children in schools and middle schools who say, you know, oh, you know, my parents are depressed. Probably I'll be depressed when I grow up. I already see those signs. I already see that I'm feeling sad, mm -hmm. you know. And yes, children Google as well. So it's, it's always um, better to guide them. Like say, for example, we have quiet chaos. You know, you have people to talk there. You have people to discuss. And it comes from professionals. Mm -hmm. So I think this should um, really, you know, help in mm -hmm. dealing with all the issues which we face. Well, and the name, even uh, Quiet Chaos, it, it, it came about uh, from thinking about mental health, how on the outside someone can, can look and seem mm -hmm. just fine, mm -hmm. but underneath the surface, underneath the quiet, there, there was a lot of chaos. Um, and yeah. I, I've seen that in myself, and I, I've seen it in others. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's exhausting. Now, one other topic, and we're running out of time, but uh, many of you may not know this, but Sophia is a very talented artist. And I can't think of a better person to ask uh, about the, the importance of expression and art uh, as a form of releasing these frustrations, releasing these things. Uh, tell me, tell, tell us a, a little bit about how art works and how it functions with depression and anxiety. Um, I guess um, I started doing art when I was a very young child, probably in my second or third grade or something like that. And that was when my mom would shout at me and I had nothing else to do. I would be upset. I couldn't talk about it to anyone. So I would go to a corner in my bedroom, take out my sketching paper and pencils, and I would start sketching. So that was my um, way of expressing my emotions. And I do realize now when I look back, I did have a lot of sketches which showed a lot of sadness. Mm. You know, I would only, um, what do you say, focus on how best I could sketch something from a photograph. Mm -hmm. I'm not very creative in terms of just doing some abstract art. 
for me, what is challenging is to recreate a photograph. That's my, that's my specialty, I would say that. I would always look at a photograph which catches my eye and I would want to recreate it. But somehow, when you see those pictures, one, it's black and white. Mm. It shows a lot about how I wouldn't pick colors. I would go for black and white and it would be mostly very uh, sad pictures. Somebody was sad and there would be a boy with a uh, basketball sitting on the basketball court, you know, sad and things like that. So I didn't focus much on what I was expressing. It was more on what I created, mm. you know, and then it went on later on. Then I started uh, experimenting with colors. I started uh, buying paints and my parents have been super good in buying all those things for me. <laughs> Thankfully, that was that was that was definitely therapy for me. And uh, I um, I have never been uh, trained in art, and I I'm I'm a self-taught artist. And uh, so, but I realized that as and when you start uh, promoting art with students, or when you talk about art, I have students who've never touched a paintbrush but I've been able to get them to paint something. Mm -hmm. It could be anything. It could be just a, you know, a blotch of paint on, uh, on the paper. It could be, there was one student who didn't want to use paint brushes at all. So we used uh, the fingers. And I think the texture, the feeling of you know, the, the paint, the squeezing of the tubes, and you know, also the strokes that you create on paper, or using of water and you know what you can splash and just imagining things when you paint something mm -hmm. you throw paper you throw paint on canvas you 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 can i mean there would be 10 people who would stand there and give a diff 10 different opinions about what it looks like but it what is important is for the person who made it mm -hmm. you know what it looks like for that person how he would want to change it how he or she would want to uh, make it look different and so I think uh, art in, in terms of painting, in terms of clay, in terms of, you know, anything, you know, which is, what do you say, um, you can use with your fingers, mm -hmm. you know, it could be glitter, it could be sand, it could be just waste paper, tearing, uh, tearing papers, tearing newspapers and making collages is also one of my favorite stuff, which I do. And, you know, the very fact that when you tear something, you're destroying something, and uh, some some people feel good about that noise, the sound which they get. And then, you know, making an art uh, piece out of it, I think is very, um, very useful for people who are finding it difficult to express themselves verbally with people. So when they start doing this, like uh, when I sit with some of the students and do this artwork, it starts being very serious and later it, get, it gets really funny. Like it's like, okay, what happened? And then you can see that, oh, this is, this is my best friend. So what do you want to do with your best friend? I just want to like, say for example, it's clay. Okay, I make a, you know, a mound of clay and then I make, make a face on it. And then the student was uh, once, uh, I asked her, so what do you feel, what, what is this? Like, uh, do you, can you name this? So she said, this is my best friend. So what do you, what do you want to do with this one? 
uh, I just want to stab her or I just want to <laughs> squeeze her face sure. or something. It's just about expressing, you know. Mm -hmm. So things which they would be feeling, whether it's anger or whether it's just happiness, sorrow, mm -hmm. whatever. I think art is really helpful in letting all that out. Even when I went for this art therapy course and I never thought that I would express myself so much when I went for a course because I went there thinking that I'm going to be a trainer. But to be a trainer first, you have to express yourself. And I think what the course actually brought me down to tears. Like mm. I did stuff which I never thought I would do. I painted stuff which I never thought I would do. And I think that was something which I was actually blocking in my mind. Probably I was just avoiding it and it just came out. And mm. you have a sense of relief after that that okay this is what is what was going on in my mind for so many years and it's all out there so when you when you deal with students or when you deal with people doing art you're going to think of your experiences as well and see how it could help you know that's true that's very true I, and I, at the end of the day i mean the process of change is is not doing away with the old but transforming it into something new yeah. uh, which is a form of art in, in a very soulful way mm -hmm. but at the same time it comes out as a different form of expression and so expression becomes a, a very important part of that and yeah. so yeah. so thank you so much we are out of time uh, this is our first episode and it went by so quickly <laughs> uh, thank you for joining me tonight Thank you for having me, Jason, and I'm really, uh, really happy about this um, venture of yours, and I hope this would be helpful for a lot of people, and uh, this continues to get them on to this platform and share their experiences, and uh, like I said before, we all should be open to learning. We should learn from each other. We should learn from people who are on the blog, and, you know, so I think this is going to help. Uh, at least uh, take out the stigma of mental health and mental illness. I think you're right on. The website is quietchaoskw.com. The movement, Quiet Chaos. The podcast, Quiet Chaos, the new voice of mental health in Kuwait. Uh, we are growing and we are coming and excited to be with you. Have a great week, and until next time, so long.